when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, April 31st. 30 days past September. April. No, it's May 1st. It's May 1st. <laughs> no. We're in Meltdown May. I'm what? already melting down. Oh, shit. What? It's tomorrow, Kata. Tomorrow. We're recording this today I'm, when it comes no, out my tomorrow. I was like, today's the 30th. What's going on? Now, today is the 30th, but tomorrow, Meltdown May begins. And it's going to be a hell of a Meltdown May <laughs> this year, I believe. I believe in my heart that we are going to see some true winners and losers out there <laughs> in the world in in May. Uh, uh, people who are really showing their asses. Oh, one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to have three, three main characters on Twitter for sure all through May. <laughs> I hope you're looking forward to that. I'm Austin Walker. That's the voice of Ricardo Contreras. Also joining us, Rob Zachney. How's it going, everybody? How's it going, Rob? How you doing? I'm just enjoying this gray, rainy day. Yeah. Uh, got a little jazz music playing, watching the rain come down. Uh, just oh. puts me in full cyberpunk mood, really. Uh, yeah. yeah. I look out there, I see the rain, I see the clouds, and I think it'd be cool to drive a car around in that. We're really just jumping right into it today. Uh, we're talking about cloud punk video game. Oh, I thought game. you were making an Elon Musk reference. Wait, why? Did you did you not see his? The true spirit of cyberpunk does not live within that piece of shit. No. <laughs> his no. fucking. Uh, did you see Twitter he fucking icon? made? Yeah. yeah uh huh. <laughs> did you see it, Rob? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did. Okay. It, like not happy about it. He, I mean, like, but, I was thinking about this this morning. So, for people who don't know, Elon Musk made his. For people who don't know, Elon Musk is a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, Elon, <laughs> Elon Musk, who three months ago was like, this is all fake. This is all fake. Go outside. It's all fake. It's bullshit. I bet you no one's going to die. This will be gone by April. Uh, and, and now is like, reopen the country. Freedom. Uh, it was yelled from inside of his billionaire mansion. Yeah. Um, very easy to do. The the, uh, the the thing that struck me today about it is, uh, so he made his, uh, he made his uh, Twitter icon, the Deus Ex logo, or the Deus Ex like, cover art, basically. The J.C. Denton looking up into the sky with like the city behind him. Cover. Great cover art. Great cover art. Um, uh, the thing that struck me about Elon Musk is that maybe it's good to have people in life who like the shit that you like, who are shitty, because it's a good way to to break yourself of the notion that that you are the shit that you like, and that that is enough for someone to be a good person, you know, or like to be yeah. someone you want to spend time with. Um, yeah, that's true. This is this is the closer to home version of like, yeah, I'm a gamer. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's exactly this is, right. Oh, this is a little closer to where I live. And it's like, oh, you and I both probably enjoyed that a lot. But I could read it and you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, he's out here. He, you know, he's he like just, Bob Page. That guy rules. <laughs> that guy fucking rules. That guy rules. Okay. Uh, God. Uh, he's out here like wishing that there were 13 levels of conspiracy that he could be part of, you know? Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Cloudpunk is the cyberpunk game that, that Rob was gesturing at, I believe, looking out of the clouds. Is that is that was I doing a good read there, yeah, Rob? Yeah, but wouldn't it be great if it turns out I've just been playing uh the Blade Runner adventure game, Loki? That'd be great. And <laughs> we can talk about that. That'd be a fun like- twist. That game's great. I'm good. Let's talk about it. I love how the the changes of who the replicants are every time you play that game. Not every time you launch it, but every new game like shuffles who a replicant is and shuffles some details of the- appear in that game though. Really? I I've, I've seen that scene. I don't know that I've ever seen it in my own gameplay like session. Maybe I've only looked up video or like seen it in let's plays. Um, but but yeah, she's in there. Her her voice is there like uh who else? There's uh two other people. It's um God, what are their what's what are their names? Why am I blanking on two other key did characters? Rucker no, he did. He did not. He, How did you not get Rucker Hauer? In? Like, cause he, yeah, that, the, that guy took checks in that era too. In that early <laughs> the mid nineties era. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, it's who is the, what is the name of the actor who plays the dude? Uh, Emmett Walsh. Uh, no, not Emmett Walsh. Cause he plays Brian. No, who the this. fuck plays, why am I blanking on on what's his name the 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 JF Ever Sebastian James. JF Sebastian Oh, oh yeah 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 <laughs> He's great. Um uh and then James Hong uh, is also in it who who plays the like the eyes guy I believe both of them make a <laughs> Yes 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 a, there's an entire scene with the oh man it's it's as uncomfortable in the adventure games as oh, in the movie where it's like yeah. this is an unholy space I don't like it I don't like <laughs> this at all um, James Sebastian played by William Sanderson. William Sanderson, great, great voice, great actor. Okay, so thing love him is, in that episode of the Batman animated series where he's just playing JF Sebastian again. Yeah, th- this is the thing, though, right? Oh, like, I love I him mean, in Deadwood. He's incredible yes, in Deadwood. This is what I mean. Right. Oh my god, that entire is like soliloquy as he tries to wash the blood oh. out of the floor of his hotel and just like yes. one oh. takes it. It's like God, you're so fucking good at reading this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But Incredible also, work. I think it's really ironic that in Blade Runner, he's like, I age prematurely. And he was that age forever after that. I mean, that it was, was it. Like, he's locked in. Yeah. <laughs> that like, like William Sanderson hit that, hit that level of development and is just like that now forever. That's how, yeah. Uh, that Damn, was his, the, official the, pre, his official press shot is good. Where, where, is it? Oh, wait. The version I see. Indians logo on it. That's not a great. That's not, not a great call. Uh, the version of it that I just saw on his Wikipedia is him holding a book with his face on it that says, "Yes, I'm that guy," which is very funny. <laughs> it's a great name for a, a Hollywood character actor Car- to yeah, yeah to, yep. to name his book. Incredible. Um, uh, in fact, it's a, the subtitle is uh, "The Rough and Tumble Life of a Character Actor." <laughs> Extremely good. Uh, all right. Love to remember some guys. I love it. Hey, it's that guy. Hey, love it. Hey. Love it to remember. Uh, so, Cloudpunk uh, is a game that just came out. Uh, I believe it's available now on, on PC. Um, I don't think it's come out anywhere else. Uh, that I definitely was like, I was, I, ne- I had never si- uh, actually played it. Uh, I know some people had played it at one of the PAXs and really had good feelings about it. In my mind, I'd slotted it in a certain category of game. Um, the pitch that I knew is that you are in a big cyberpunk floating city uh, that's floating in the clouds and has multiple kind of tiers, and that you are piloting or, or driving a sort of 
In my mind, I thought it was a taxi cab. I think it's because if I look at the art, there's a taxi cab in it. Uh, now that I look at like the official promotional art, um, uh, but but you're you're driving for a courier service actually, um, and uh, the you're going around making deliveries. And in my mind, I was I was putting it in the category of something like Neo Cab, which obviously is another cyberpunk cab game. Or Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor, which is very simulationist in the sense that, like, there are days of the week and objectives that are kind of about doing a job. There's like a, a, a core gameplay loop that's around a, like that's systems heavy, um, and then there's narrative stuff throughout, right? Um, uh, and instead, it's I think it's a lot more fair to call it an adventure game uh, in the sense that, like, what you're basically doing is bouncing from story beat to story beat. Um, and, uh, you know, flying through the city, uh, in your car and, um, dropping off packages. And it's not like there are, it's not like there's an open-ended package delivery system or any sort of like, it's not elite, right? It's not, um, generating missions for you or generating deliveries for you. Uh, it's actually more like elite in another way, which I'll get to later now that I think about it. Um, but, but instead it's just kind of, um, uh, you know, you're kind of walking down the plot of being this new delivery driver in the cyberpunk city. You're from out of town. You're from, uh, you, you know, you eastern previously peninsula. the in, the eastern peninsula, which I'll come back to also shortly. Uh, and you're here uh, under mysterious circumstances. It seems like your previous life, a life somewhat of privilege, has been ripped away from you, and now you are like running packages, uh, kind of surreptitiously in some instances, uh, through this this you know stratified cyberpunk city. Rob, what was your how, what's your impression of this game so far? Uh, very experiential. Yeah, like there's sure. not much to it so far. Like I'm only in the first couple hours and mostly it is okay. Here's the thing that actually reminds me of. And so maybe this is why like I'm a little bit chair, a little bit charitable to it right now. Mm -hmm. And especially given that it was kind of a perfect day for cyberpunk. Uh, it reminds me of what I imagined the world of flashback would be like if you could go. Ooh, sure. It. Yeah. And Great so game. it, it's very much one of those things where it's all just like a vibe and flavor and like talking to people. But what you're basically doing is it's almost like visual novel esque, where you're just kind of driving between locations while these dialogues happen and mm -hmm. distance just fills the space for those dialogues to take place. But I haven't hit a point yet where it's like really opening up. Uh, it is mostly just go soak up the flavor, go have the uh, mosaic of the backstory for your character and this world have that revealed in pieces. Um, but in the meantime, you're also playing kind of a slightly clunky game. I have to say like it, it doesn't, I don't like driving around that much. I'm even less enamored of when I get out of the car and start running around. Oh, the running around sequences um, are really rough. Those like, I haven't know. seen a good uh, camera relative control system. There is not. While. It is, uh, yeah, this is, it is, it is a rough one. Um, so the, yeah, the, as Rob gestured at, when you land to deliver these packages, you get out of the car and it puts you into like fixed camera positions in this neon drenched cyberpunk city. Um, and you, you just move around corners and the camera will slowly like, not adjust. I guess sometimes it's not slow. Sometimes it's instant and really disorienting. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's got, it's got fixed camera points, which I find right. really interesting. Like they're like, I don't. The controls feel clunky, but what's interesting about it is this is a pretty big city, and they've got decently cinematic angles on just about all of it. Um, 
but it still feels weird because the camera doesn't follow your character. What it will do is your character will go down an alley and right. rather than track in and stay like uh, centered on like over your character's shoulders, instead the uh, camera will basically like uh, spider spider cam like swing across, like lurch across the landscape and then turn to face down the alley. And yeah. so it's like it's a cinematic effect and it creates a lot of like decent framing on these scenes. Uh, also, I love the soundscape in a lot of places in this game. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of craft here. Um, but at the same time, it feels like controlling your character is always relative to the camera. Right. Uh, right. And maybe and, you can uh, maybe you can change this in the options. But so that means like if your character is like if you want to walk to the left of the screen, you say go left. But right. that could mean your character is facing forward relative to her. And so like you constantly have to make that adjustment. And, that's and then a, right. That's and then the camera will change in the middle yes. of doing that. And then you're like, oh, now I don't know where I am on this map. Um, and th- it's to the degree where this is actually navigating these spaces is is probably the core gameplay challenge, right? Which is not one that I think it needs necessarily. There are lots of, have you gotten the collect 20 thing mission yet? 20, uh, no. uh, like not ID cards, um, uh, da, 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 like printed, printed, what do you call them? They're, uh, you know, they're like old, old. Yeah. Oh, the punch cards. The punch cards. Thank you. Punch cards. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> you meet a character who needs those basically. And, and, and the character's story is kind of interesting. Um, and you need 20 of them to advance the plot for that character. Uh, and they are randomly scattered across the entire map of this entire city that is separated by, like, I guess to paint the picture a little bit better, you're flying in a flying car and the city below you is basically a bunch of islands of, um, of background uh, areas and architecture, and then also islands of areas where you can actually land your car, get out, and walk around, um, all floating in the sky. And then those are all separated by loading screen. Not all separate. Each like subsections, each district of the city is separated from other districts by a loading screen, and which reveals another big map of these areas. And on each of those islands are a bunch of collectibles, uh, which are like little blue icons on the map. And you need 20 of a certain type to advance this one character's subplot. And also, once you've done that once, she gives you a second mission that says, go collect 20 more punch cards to keep advancing my story. Um, And I keep running up against this feeling in this game that the, like, the language, the the design language of of popular video games has done a disservice to what this should be um, because of two things. One is the specific thing this, this collectibles idea this idea of like well, we got to give them something to do um yeah. how do we so the, the basic premise of this character uh, without going into too much detail is that there is an android whose memories have been kind of uh locked away and by getting these punch cards she can unlock these these memories and it's explicitly punch cards and not a more digital uh thing it's like the punch cards have a have a crypto key on them or whatever to unlock her memories it's not that you're finding her memories because the there's like an interesting thing in terms of the physical physical uh, data storage versus versus digital data storage or like unlocking versus actually storing it. There's like an interesting element there, but then that core idea has been spread across forty punch cards that you have to go collect, yeah. and 
again, this is the only thing that feels like a quote unquote challenge in this game is learning how to navigate these very complex uh, 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 little and finding uh, urban irons. Right. Exactly. Like, the yes. thing this game fucking nails yes. is the sensation of going around a block three times trying to find where the fucking parking lot is. Is there an elevator here? What the fuck am I missing? Like that feeling is constant. And I kind of like that feeling, but I actually think that that feeling the fixed camera stuff takes so it it detracts from it a little bit for me. I think about something like have either of you played Burn Band, B E R N B A N D. No. Um, Burn Band is like a super indie game, like like t- single person made it in the in 2013, 2014 era. There's a sequel coming, um, but that game is a first person walk around an alien cyberpunk city world uh, thing. No story, nothing. You're just walking around. Just click through this video I linked to you. People should look up Burn Band. Uh, and it's just like, there are aliens everywhere, and you're kind of dwarfed by the size and scale of this of this giant city, and going down weird hallways and into garages, and then you pop out and you're in a party, and then you're, like, it's, it's, a, it's a very um, embodied feeling. This is also a bad video. I sent you a video where this person only goes into the hallways and does not actually, does not actually show up anywhere in where the interesting shit is. I'm linking you to a different one. Um, uh, and that game gives you such a sense of, like, of like a well-realized sense of being uh, lost in, in a cyberpunk city and lost in like the back alleys of a place like that. Um, this game, I think is so interested in making sure that you keep your eyes on the, the, the architecture, the eyes on the city that it wants to give you these, like you said, cinematic fixed cameras um, because that, that is what it thinks like the star of the show is. I think it is the star of the show for the first like two hours, but after that, it's like, I've seen this language already. Um, I, I've, I've been drenched in neon now for, for hours and there isn't a second act in of visual design so far, you know, three or four hours in. So maybe, maybe hour six, that makes a change. Um, but right now it's like, I've seen the neon so much. I've seen the same like advertising signs. Um, it's like it's like what if Blade Runner only existed at the noodle shop and in transit instead of yeah. at a bunch of distinct locations, um, and that that can be kind of tough. And and I think that that's one of the ways in which the, and again to then build collectible design around that. I mean the other the other thing is the only other real mechanism is that you can make money. Um, but you can make money by selling the stuff that you find or by buying stuff at one like random merchant and then flipping it at another merchant who has higher prices as if it were elite. Um, and like that's just not in, in a game that is fundamentally uh, trying to frame itself as a critique of capitalism and a critique of, you know, it, this is a game that. I think wants to criticize an Elon Musk. Do you know what I mean? Like I've definitely run into shitty streamers and uh, people who are, uh, I, I ran into a debate me bro guy last night who is just a caricature of the debate me bro um, to the degree that I don't know that it fully works. Yeah. So I was okay. So yeah, I ran into the, um, the bro streamer. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and like, again, this is all stuff you, you run across pretty early on. Uh, you go through a security checkpoint and, uh, the police are outright taking bribes, uh, voluntary right. contributions. It's all very like on the nose. You run yeah. into the toxic streamer uh, dude, and he's such a caricature of. Uh, I can't even say he's like Joe Rogan because it's the the, the the thing's too broad even for that. Right? It's a guy going yeah. around being saying, "We want to bring you the perspective of the bros, dude," and it's all. One of those, the reason it doesn't work for me is it feels 
pandering to the stereotypes people think someone like me holds about yes. people who aren't yeah. like me. And that pisses me off a little bit. Yes. It's like I know like I know the ty- like I, I I know roughly what you're trying to parody here, but this is actually a really bad rendition of it. And so the sat- the satire misses because basically like if the if this were to work for me, that would say more about me than it would about the target, right? Like this is right. like this is a this is a perspective. This is a satire that is pandering to a really cynical perspective that I don't a very really surface level perspective almost yeah. right is who it's pandering to right mm-hmm. someone who's who is like dismissed without analysis there's a specific conversation that I'm gonna spoil that is not a story conversation it's again <clears throat> a random character who I only bumped into because I was trying to find these 20 punch cards um that that I think speaks to this too uh there's a there's a as Rob mentioned your character is from something called the eastern peninsula which is outside of the city um, outside of this like huge metropolis where you can't even see the blue sky anymore. And you run into a person who is um, a music producer, a video, a videographer, like someone who's like, you know, I'm just making stuff happen, you know? Hey, <laughs> and, and very much, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of you as a woman walking through this game being uh, harassed uh, at, at either low scale or high scale by dudes who either want to flirt and date with date you, um, and some of those you click with pretty quickly. And Others who are just being like shitty and catcalling you <clears throat> and who are just really aggressive and and weird. And this is one of the latter ones who is a guy who is like, that looks like an Eastern print on your on your on your clothing. I need that energy for my next music video. And I'm like, all right, here we fucking go. Um, and of course, the, that conversation becomes the back and forth exchange of this dude being like, you know, um, like I'm trying to learn about different parts of the world for inspiration for my new project. Like, how was it growing up outside of civilization in the East? Um, and it's clearly like trying to, to it's tr- clearly trying to, to to lay down some satire here about a certain style of like hipster uh, who thinks who right. thinks that he's worldly mm-hmm. trying to get. And so and so, so your character Rania um, uh, is like, uh, excuse you, like we're very civilized. We have art and music and everything else. You don't know shit about us. And he goes, music? Tell me about the tribal drums you've played. Uh, and at this moment, you as a writer have a choice. Because what, what you can do is say, is develop what the place where she is from is and have a response that recognizes difference and underscores the fact that there are that there are a range of in, equally valid musical heritages and legacies, uh, and that and that because of uh, the forces of, of cultural hegemony, uh, certain musical uh, culture has become canonized and others haven't. Right? Instead, this game does the other thing. She goes, "Actually, I grew up playing Bach," and it's like, "Oh no, you you agree with the fucking hipster? You if you say <laughs> no." My people played your music. You've just agreed with him. You've seeded the position that what good music sounds like is Bach. And that actually the people you thought were tribal savages, quote unquote, were not because they played white people music. And that is fucked. And like it comes again from that position of only having that certain not only having, but it comes from a it comes from a go well-intentioned place that's meant to under to undermine a certain argument, but it fails to actually deconstruct it. It just inverts it. It just says actually the savages are civilized too, instead of saying actually savage and civilized are a broken binary, you know? Uh, 
is so the thing I haven't gotten to a point where I know anything about where she's from either. Like the my my question there is is this guy completely misguided and she's actually part of the same cultural group to No, is she is from thing, a, she right? is from a distinct cultural group. She reads okay. Arabic. Um uh she is is from um a place where she doesn't believe in the same she doesn't have the same like religious touchstones. Like a big a big A plot here is her trying to figure out what Cora is, C-O-R-A, which yeah. has this sort of like technological but also faith-based like word uh, meaning yeah. in this culture. They're, they're, she's from a distant culture. Um, her name is Rania. Um, I believe she's being coded as as Arab um, uh, and Eastern is being – but Eastern is kind of being thrown – I didn't even know it took place on Earth and suddenly Bach came up. That's another thing <laughs> is like at one point Bach came up and at another point Tokyo came up. Like I guess we're on fucking Earth. I had no idea. Um, um, and so, yeah, that's the thing, right? It's like, it's like those sorts of, um, those elements are really, I want to be clear, there are stuff there that does totally, that has totally worked for me. There are some interesting story bits. There are some, some really, I think the Cora stuff specifically, this idea that there is this, there's a word that keeps being used and she's like, what the fuck is that word? And it's ubiquitous. People are like, blame it on Cora or like, you know, like uh, there's a whole range of, there's like, oh, I can't do anything about it. That's up to Cora. Right. And it's like, okay, you talk about God. Sometimes it sounds like you're saying fuck me because of the way you're saying Cora. Sometimes it sounds like you're, it's sometimes it sounds like you're making a real appeal to a God. What is going on here? And that stuff is really fascinating. Um, but that's like a, that was a, a, a real like moment of like, Ooh, like that was a swing and a miss for me, and it was a big swing because the you really fucking squared your shoulders up for that swing. You know, you once you say once you bring Eastern tribal savages to 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 bear, you got to hit a home run for me. Otherwise, it ends up looking bad. You know, not just looking bad, but feeling like like we're off track from each other. Um, I'm trying to think. There's oh, so the other thing going back real quick to the thing that I think like. Um, the gameplay, the the world of video games has done a disservice to good ideas in this game. Uh, you start getting you start getting moral quandaries as you do deliveries, right? Um, and I'm not going to give the. There's a big early one that I think is pretty like obvious on its face, uh, but there's a second one. The second one is just like, why does everything in this game need to be a moral? Not everything, but why why so often do you want to come to this place where there's a moral choice? It, it, it reeks of like Bioware taught us how to make video games in the way is you have to give players capital C choices. So one of the one of the missions you have, one of the deliveries you have is to deliver a um, a uh, an engine, like an engine part to this this race car driver, this person who's like doing illegal street races. And you you get it to him, and he is an older dude, and he's like, um, you know, he's real friendly. His name is like. Uh, like never slow Joe or something like that. Uh, and he's like, he's like, you got to get a better name than Rania. What about like on the run Rania? And you're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, cool. I'm on the run Rania. And then you give him the, you give him the part and he gives you back uh, the old broken engine part. And he's like, hey, can you deliver this back to the mechanic? I'm going to spoil this quest. It's a small quest. Uh, it's like not an A-plot thing to be clear. Um, he's like, can you deliver this back to the mechanic? Um, uh, and, uh, that you got the good part from, uh, this'll, this'll settle my debt with him. Uh, and as you're walking away, you and your like AI companion, um, start talking. And, uh, the discussion is basically like, well, if, if we settle his debt, then he can go back to the mechanic to fix his car if it breaks down. And what if, if he fixes his car, that means he can keep racing. And if he can keep racing, what if he dies while racing? So do you sell the part – do you give the part back to the mechanic and settle his debt or steal it 
and sell it to somebody else so that it keeps so that it theoretically keeps this dude from racing and pres- presumably dying in a race at some point. Um, I, I guess someone else will just buy the part from the from the other mechanic and that person's allowed to race because I haven't spoken to them. Um, <laughs> but like, what is that choice? Why? Why is it my job to decide whether or not this person? First of all, it doesn't. He will figure out a way to race if he wants to fucking race. Two, why didn't I talk to the dude about it? Why didn't I say, hey, are you sure you want to keep doing this race shit if I've decided to become that involved in this other human's life? Uh, it, it, mm. It's one of those moments where it feels like a choice has been injected because on a chart somewhere it said choices need to be injected. Um, and I don't I don't think that's actually what happened, but that's the that was the, the feeling of it. It was like – I know I know it's been 70 minutes since I made a choice, but I don't need to make a choice. Just give me the, the interesting story that you're telling. It's okay to give me that part. Um, See, I, yeah, go this ahead. Is, chases are overrated. Uh, choices are overrated. Like <laughs> Chases are not overrated, though. I would have loved to have been on a chase at least once so far in this <laughs> I game. I would have wanted some better driving controls. Or maybe yeah. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't Maybe have. I, I wouldn't fucking have. slam driving across. Sh- yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Kata, you had something. You were going to say something. I was just going to say, like, there's a way to m- make that choice be in there. But, like, you're, you're right. Like, it requires a different, it's a different type of um, uh, framing where, like, you're right. talking to the guy or, like, there's something. This, and it's not like, it. maybe the choice is, is in, a, in, a, in dialogue, right? Instead of, right. Like, like, trying to convince this person to stop racing for whatever reason versus, totally. like, taking that decision like off to the side without you know yeah Yeah, it's like if you want choice there's definitely still a way that it could it could have been included but you don't even yeah it it isn't always necessary even (laughs) totally um it's it's and for what it's worth rob i've actually come around on the driving um to where weirdly it was when i decided i wanted to start getting the collectibles because that's what the game wanted me to do and so i wanted to like see how that felt so to speak i started like um just kind of doing the thing where i like zoned out while i flew around um and that made it click into place a little bit for me like in terms of in terms of the driving um um, i I don't know I think so. The weird the the thing is, this is actually a really impressive game. The thing I don't want to undersell is this game looks cool. It is it a incredible. big city. It has a good vibe. I am really surprised at the degree to which it feels like there is a city alive and moving around me. Um, and it, just little things, just like the way audio sources pan and move around your speakers uh, as yeah. you drive by. It, it nails that feeling. It nails the soundscape of like watching Blade Runner or something, it does, right? Totally. Where like the announcements start blaring in one ear, and then you drive past and it fades away to a to a murmur. All that's really cool, and I think like there are times when I'm absolutely in the mood for a game that is mostly a vibe, right? And I think that's kind of where I'm at with Cloudpunk right now. Uh, but but yeah, I, I do find a lot of the actual. Text has left me a little bit cold. Yeah, my my thought is like it seems to be a kind of a long adventure game, like seven yeah. eight hours. And there's a there sometimes something you know uh, f- fails to convey what it is in those first few hours, and that over time 
you your rhythms and its link up in a way. So I'm going to probably put one more night into it. I'm going to yeah. try to get five hours into it and feel like uh, get a better sense of whether or not it's a story that I want to see through because that, that at the end of the day is what I'm, what I have to be here for, for this game. Like that is what this game is. It's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, cyberpunk story about a new immigrant to a city that is falling apart. I actually, let me shout out my favorite fucking thing about this game. Have you heard oh, one of the engineers? Because the engineer is already sick. I already love the engineer. There's an engine. Do you want to set up the engineer and I'll, I'll, I'll pivot? Yeah. So one of the first locations you go in the game, uh, you run into an engineer who it's, it's a very funny bit. He's very full of himself. He's like, I'm a real engineer. None of the other city engineers know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, they're all, they've all just started to like believe in techno magic because they don't understand how the city run, operates. Uh, <laughs> but I'm a real engineer. But let me tell you, this city is falling apart because all its infrastructure is like advanced technology from a thousand years ago <laughs> that is steadily falling apart. And we spend most of our day talking to – I love this detail. He says uh, a lot of engineers spend their time talking to AIs who went silent uh, hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And it sort of recasts what the city is, right? It looks like a city of the future, but actually this is a city of the past, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the city here – is the ruins of a cyberpunk world. And it hasn't completely imploded, but it's also, uh, it's a city without a future in some ways, right? Like there is no longer ongoing development. There's nothing that's being built. Mm -hmm. It is a thing declining. And then the engineer asks you to, hey, just do some safety spot checks uh, based on traffic light patterns uh, that you might observe. But then, of course, he proceeds to unpack the fact that, like, he's a techno sorcerer as well. Yeah, really has no well, understanding. If, if the light yeah. turns green and then turns red, you got to tell me this. But if it turns red and then green, tell me that same thing. And if it turns red and then yellow and then red, you should definitely get in touch and let me know because the same thing is probably happening. Like, all right, you're <laughs> you're just one of these people. So the other half of that, Rob, is have you seen any of the moments of deterioration yet? No. All right. So repeatedly in this game, uh, the only reason I feel good about saying this is because it's now it, it's now a recurring thing. It's not a single. It's not a one off. Sometimes I'm walking around one of these spaces. I'm walking around just like doing a delivery, and the the this is like for me the best argument for why there should be some fixed camera positions in this game. The camera pans in such a way to reveal a little bit more depth in the background, and an entire city block falls into the sea. <laughs> just. Jesus. collapses it's incredible like it's like such an incredible and like everyone just goes about their, their day <laughs> like oh yeah i lost like, it comes up in conversation sometimes someone <laughs> will be like yeah it's a shame about what happened with bob and your character will be like, well, what happened with bob's like was in the you know was in in c block two, two weeks ago down on the whatever you know district uh and it fell into the it fell out of the clouds and into the sea and like, well, why didn't is he okay like no he's dead <laughs> He died. So did all the other people on that block. And you'll just see it happen in the background. And that part is incredible. Like, what a great detail and visually breathtaking, like, uh, uh, kind of spectacle that's trying to communicate, that's trying to make visible the invisible, right? It's very much like, hey, this is happening in the city you're in right now. If you're living in a city, you just don't <laughs> see it because it's happening to invisible po – the populations have been explicitly obfuscated from you. But like this is what happens to poor people in this world, um, uh, in your world, Austin, not in this world, the video game world, but also in the video game world. <laughs> uh, and, and like that that effect, brilliant, incredible. Uh, I think some of the city design where it does break away from – 
the like pure neon stuff or like from the neon light stuff, the neon like signage and and shows like failed construction areas or there are occasionally places where where you get into, into spaces that are a little foggier and maybe like the light is like breaking through but there is, you kind of lose sight of the overall structure of of certain buildings that stuff works for me really well um but it's it's just like one of those things where I want there to be um, th- that spectacle is tends to be enough for me for it to play for like thirty minute sessions. But if this game really is like seven or eight hours, which is what I've seen people talk about it as, I'm 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 not convinced it's going to pull me through all the way. Um, but I think this is a good conversation, and I give it that. <laughs> I think it's produced a good one, so so that's good. Um, I think it's like twenty bucks on Steam, uh, which which it's at the very least worth watching some gameplay footage and and thinking about what I you know I, I think it's one of those ones where it's like you should try it and see if, if it if it gels with you um, because it's one of those games that I think five years ago I would be over the moon about uh, but I've since played a bunch of other games about being in cities and in cyberpunk towns and blah 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 in, in that in this the independent space that have made me a little less enamored um, uh, with with the kind of core experiential tone piece part of it that, that you mentioned Rob um, so yeah and if you have any other thoughts that's cloudpunk uh, what else is going on? Anyone else want to want to talk about anything? I'll I'll do a quick one, which is I wrapped up Chimera Squad. Actually, that might not be a quick one because Kata, you're playing yeah. too. Uh, Actually, so let me not do that a, quick one. Let's take, take a five minute break, break? and then yeah. we'll come back and uh, and we'll come back to to talk about Chimera Squad and some Gears Tactics and some other new stuff. Streets of Rage. So so hang out. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Uh, Kyle, you started playing some, some XCOM Chimera Squad, right? Yeah, I did. I... Are you sticking to the, the thing that you suggested in our chat that you're trying to do? <laughs> I, I am, and it's hard. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm so I started playing that game and um I don't know why but I just kind of assumed this was part of it when you all mentioned the subdue like the melee attack subdue that knocks people out mm-hmm. I think in my brain I as- assumed like oh yeah that makes sense you're not trying to kill people because you're not at war anymore this is a police action you're probably trying to just subdue and arrest people turns out nah and nah <laughs> no you kill people you're in this just game like for sure you're murking people from the start which is kind of a weird I don't know I had um I had some strange feelings of it especially given I don't know this is maybe a little too personal just like understanding where Fraxis is because I went to college in Baltimore and Fraxis mm. is like 30 minutes north of that and seeing that studio not think about how that reads where like it's like that's not the I mean 
but it's also like it also does kind of mirror the way that police work will <laughs> be fucking right, horrible, right. is right? the choice it's, between is the choice between sanitizing something or fetishizing it right and I, it's um i don't think it the goes answer is the no there has to be another way of doing it but right but <laughs> And like I chooses. don't think it goes all the way to fetishizing it, but it's still like, yeah, it it it, it doesn't choose to to be like, look, th- this is a this is a new police force being made. Like maybe we set up some rules <laughs> up front <laughs> about engagement, especially when the technology exists. Like trank rounds are in this game. You can buy. Don't worry. By the end of that game, you will never use trank rounds again. You can. You can. <laughs> They're like, they're, yes, yeah. You can buy uh-huh. bullets. That means all your guns work exactly the same other than instead of killing people, they knock them out. Right, which, but they don't They don't get set on fire or get acid <laughs> damage or do extra robot damage. And eventually, eventually, the thing that you get from keeping people alive in that game stops mattering to you, which is intel. Right. Uh, when, when, you, when you subdue people or knock them out with trank rounds, instead of uh, killing them, what you get is intel, is intel, which is one of the resources. Mm-hmm. You spend intel to uh, either get stuff from the scavenger shop, which is like cool but rare, but more importantly, you do it to... Bust, uh, to, to buff up your field teams spread across the city, right. which give you more income across Intel, Illyrium, which is your research stuff, and then money, which is how you just buy stuff normally from like the supply shop or whatever. Um, eventually, by the the third investigation, those are all at level three for me. Anyway, I like right. I hardlined Intel. I got as much I because I did the thing you're doing, which is like I did my best to bring in as many people alive as possible. I invested in the Intel sources first, and so eventually, I just had all the Intel. At that point, I'm like, well, literally, I'm not incentivized at all to keep anyone alive. I still keep people alive mm. when when I can, but like it doesn't it doesn't matter at that point because the only mechanical cost of not keeping someone alive right. was losing the intel that they would have provided which Chimera is squads getting out of the business of intercepting messages <laughs> and more into the business of sending messages yes. you know what i'm saying uh-huh um, um i i do i haven't i have been enjoying the couple of weird <laughs> enjoying it, there's some weird missions in here where like you're getting in um like evidence or something and like it's a chest somewhere on the map and then you could just oh, yeah. like book it <laughs> you can just oh leave, yeah which that, is a very I mean, funny like we're doing a weird reverse smash and grab like what's yeah going? totally um, i mean this game is weird about that in general where like yeah. it, you know i i don't understand how you've subdued four people Right, mm-hmm. and then and then you have to escape the pr- the premises, but you still arrested these four people who are knocked out on the ground. Right, like you'll finish, you'll get in the, to the to the point of my mission where you've gotten what you need. And it's like we got to get the fuck out of here. There are more bad guys coming, and like, aren't you the cops? Why, right. If they're coming here, they this is their city. Actually, you are criminals. You're the ones who've taken their shit. Um, I think that the game mostly ends up trying to like do the thing where it justifies it by having some truly villainous scum in some of these for some of these factions who are who slot into like you know um people who are either associated with war criminals from the past war or who are eugenicists or whatever like that mm-hmm. ends up being the thing that they do like oh no these motherfuckers real really suck 
Though right. one of the factions, I think, is is like deeply sympathetic in a way that's like just really sad. Um, <laughs> and the way it shakes out is just like, and the game knows it's sad that it shook out the way it did, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's no alternative. It's not like right. it's you know. There's um, no. There's no like. I mean, you can add it the way that I've done it of like, uh, right. Uh, different levels of like levels of force that you're engaging people with depending on what is happening right like but that's not baked into the game as like this is something you should be thinking about it's just like yeah you can buy you can use all of your early credits on trank rounds if you feel like it uh good luck um and it's been rough i got two people i mean it's what day 11 i've got two people with scars already um yeah (laughs) you gotta clear those scars you gotta clear those scars yeah they're um they're not i got cherub walking at uh, only five spaces, which is not a lot. Which is because he's got the charge. He's supposed to be able to reach people. Yeah, he's supposed to. Um, he needs to be mobile. Yeah. And also, my first recruit was the um the melee person because I was like, oh yeah, I melee. I never got them. Are they cool? Yeah, I mean, it works for my play style where <laughs> she doesn't kill anyone. <laughs> um, uh, because it's all yeah, it's all that subdue button, and she's got a a, a root like punch oh cool or like a, a no disorient it's it's, it's yeah disorient it like does like the full or okay disorient is the one where they get less they they their aim falls to shit and they have to they all they can do is shoot they can't do other abilities um i believe so yeah That's it, it like has a couple different effects that i i forget specifically but it's mostly that when you breach uh she gets to run at someone <laughs> like love it full length like it's just called um aggr- uh, aggressive sprint or something um it's very good um nice. but yeah it ended up being just like hmm of these of these choices i have uh this one is the non-lethal one so let's try that out god um, yeah i want to see how far i can get just like not killing anyone I'm- listen i did this with watchdogs one i love <laughs> this style of play i think that like yeah. It's one thing to do non-lethal in a game that's encouraging you to do non-lethal runs. Right. It's another. It's a way more interesting and fun thing, in my experience, to do it in a game that has no interest in letting you do it. <laughs> nope. Um, um, and, um, <laughs> and you end up doing things like, you know, the guy with the pistol, like, oh, you can't kill this person anyway, so, like, soften them up a bit. <laughs> right uh-huh. you get to like weighing them in the leg or whatever so that the other person can come up and finish the arrest and things like that it's um it's a yeah it's a different it's interesting to try to figure this out um also oh shit no nah, i forgot what i was gonna say i'm gonna cut this <laughs> okay my brain it, it reminds off. me a lot of um uh there's a there was a games academic oh. or is a games academic named james Shermer who did um a, a playthrough of Fallout 3, a non-lethal playthrough of Fallout 3, mm-hmm. which is a very difficult thing to do because that game does not give you – so like doesn't give you solutions for most things where you can get through it without fighting. Uh, so <laughs> very cool. Anyway, what were you going to um, say? Well, no, I remembered what I was going. It's just like I got the achievement for finishing uh, a mission uh, non-lethally, like not killing a single person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Steam statistics of that are like 10% of people have ever gotten that, that Yikes. have played the game. Yeah. So yeah. just like, you know, the, that game isn't really making those choices seem worthwhile or... It is uh, It is very <laughs> worth doing it early on. It is right, very worth right. doing it. And and uh, like I said, then it stops being it stops being so worth it after that, <laughs> which is not But great. it's it's worth like, it's worth it up to a point too, because it's like you get 
a certain percentage uh, depending on how many people you subdue and then mm-hmm. until um i think it's i believe it's five people after that you're at 100 percent. it doesn't matter if you subdue more you're people. getting that intel right you're right you're getting that 20 intel and that's the max it doesn't matter how many people you subdue once you get that percentage up to 100 so even then it's like yeah that's yeah. chill we're gonna <laughs> listen go wild uh, Right. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and it's on top of like, you know, what's useful in X time games? Grenades. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's like all that. Or like, I think about um, there is not a non lethal version of Blue Blood's Phase Lance shot where he just eradicates an entire line of enemies and cover. There's Wait, no, there's there? no, there's no stun setting on that ability. No. Really? Uh, like if you're if you're using uh, trank rounds on him, that won't- that's a he pulls out a different gun and blasts. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's like you can't a trank round the fucking death ray. <laughs> no, it's a death ray. It's yeah, like, it's like they fucking like kind of so they're watching the Independence Day like flying saucer <laughs> hover over New York. Like, oh, is that coming a non lethal version? <laughs> uh, no, is... it's just because I had a really good moment with Godmother, uh, mm-hmm. who's got the scatter shot. Yeah, but I, that's like, she's using her regular her, ass gun. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, but she like hit four people and knock them all out that's great no she's that was a fucking she's beautiful mvp you know there's 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 a reason why she's like the the ceo of that squad yeah. fictionally or whatever yeah, she totally. fucking rules um like she's more like the xo anyway um that, is the, that might be the most dystopian way to put it is like in the, in the world of XCOM <laughs> right. Premier squad like squads no longer have like squad sergeants or team leaders it's oh i'm the ceo of chimera squad <laughs> I said, we have an entrepreneurial CEO? I said CEO. I said CEO. You're right. CEO would have been worse. God. Cherub, I just feel like you don't have an entrepreneurial enough spirit uh, when we breach. God. Incredible. Um, I wrapped that game up. Uh, 21 hours is a great length for an huh. XCOM game. Right, 21 yeah. hours, you're in and out. Um, it definitely hit me with that thing where I was like, I think I'm going into the last mission. I was not going into the last mission. There was another mission after that. Um, I will say I arrested the big bad guy. I did not nice. kill him. Uh, nice. All his well, soldiers. Well, then you'd have been, been as bad as he is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be just like him. They give you a real opportunity to fucking arrest him too, based on some abilities he has. It's it's funny. Um, anyway, uh, the the that game I think sustains itself. I, I think. I mean. You get more bugs as you keep playing because it's an XCOM game. Mm. They've definitely got that classic XCOM shit of like, uh, I did an action and the camera just hangs over an enemy's head for 20 seconds doing nothing. Like, I hope it just fixes itself. <laughs> Why um, did this row of squares stop being space I could move in the battle? That yep. was real fun in a highway mission yep, where uh, I had a covered route to the exit and then that row just stopped existing. Love it. And I was like, I guess I got to run back through that fire field. Okay. A lot of dealing with that stuff. And like, I think that stuff, I hope that stuff gets fixed in patches, Mm -hmm. but it's frustrating. Um, uh, It never stopped me. It never like, it never like ruined a run or a mission or anything like that. I mean, it's a very generous game. Whenever I've gotten fucked over, you know, whenever I feel like, oh man, this isn't going the way I want to, I fucked up. Or whenever I'm like, that's a, I breached with five 95 plus percent chances to hit and none of them hit. Fucking hit escape hit restart encounter you don't even have to go back to the beginning of the mission you can restart <laughs> the encounter you can restart the room you are in in this game this game is meant to be fucking blitzed through and i've had a lot of fun just doing that 
Um, uh, I think that the story goes some interesting places. Like, I actually think that 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 the overarching thrust of what's going on in City Thirty One is really interesting. Um, uh, it, it's just like again, it's it's popcorny, but it's it's you know com- compared to like Cloudpunk, Cloudpunk very clearly has someone who shares a lot of ideological beliefs with me. Um, but it's what you said before, Rob, where it's like there's a degree to which you're engaging with these things in a way <clears throat> that feels pandery or feels un- un- undercooked. Um, whereas here you get the thing of just like, oh, this is a world where I can build the lines between things that I am interested in and also get the joy of criticizing the fact that, that there is kind of a light hand on what they think good policing looks like. Uh, and, and sometimes there's joy in that critique. Um, so, uh, also shout outs to whoever wrote and recorded the big crunch, uh, cereal. Oh my God. Was, all their cereal. That was good, good times. For all their, all their advertisements on the, the radio were good. The cereal all the, that writhes. God. Have you gotten to like the, the, the conversations about the, I think it's hot dogs or burgers. Yet. No. <laughs> One of the big things happening in this city is is about food politics. Yeah. Um, and it's that no one eats the same shit. Everyone has to eat different things. And so there's almost like an arms race to see who can make the first like universal food. Um, and it's <laughs> it's like this burger company is the one that is like trying to figure out a burger, like the universal burger. Everyone can eat this fucking burger, even though some of you are aliens who have different entire, you know, needs for for nutrition and have have chemical reactions such that you couldn't eat beef because beef would kill you. Um, and and the advertisements for it are just incredible. Yeah, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, the advertisements are really good. And there's like that second layer of people who are like. In both fluff text and I think some of the radio dialogue, people who are like, I don't believe they'll ever do it. This is a trick. This is a conspiracy. They want you to eat their burgers. Like that type of shit is so good. Um, and and the world building is just is just very particular to the needs of a post XCOM two world in a way that that feels very particular and very like realized. I, I really mm. like I really like it. Also, a lot of the environments are just awesome. A lot of the like locations have lots of little details that put XCOM 2's city to shame in terms of just like again cereal boxes and toy uh did you yep. see the did you see the Sailor Moon the uh sectoid Sailor Moon that was going around <laughs> yeah uh i have it's incredible it's like a magical girl uh, sectoid cuz like yes yes of course there would be a magical girl sectoid everyone's integrated everyone fucking thinks Sailor Moon slaps uh <laughs> Uh, and that stuff is all really good. And yeah, I think 21 hours, I, I you know, I don't know that it had a 30th hour in it, but it certainly had just over 20. Um, and for 20 bucks or 10 bucks, if you got it in this this opening week or whatever, I think it's definitely worth worth that. Yeah. Uh, that time. Um, uh, what else is going on? Um, Rob, you've been playing some more Gears Tactics? Yeah. How's it going? Uh, it's good. I, I think... I sort of hit the point where I realized the campaign layer, and this is kind of my main thing I hit in my review, is the way the campaign is constructed doesn't entirely work uh, okay. in some frustrating ways. And I'm trying to sort out to what degree I'm kind of dinging it for not being more like XCOM when it's also clearly trying to carve out carve out its own identity. But there's ways it echoes it, and then it runs into problems with structure that I don't like the solutions they settled on. And the big one is that 
this isn't a game where they, there's a strategic layer and you're sort of choosing what you do. Like the most you, the most you encounter is between story missions, you will hit uh, a selection of side missions uh, that you have to consider for, for options. And what you'll encounter in this game is between the major story missions where the plot advances, you will have an array of side missions. Say it'll give you three options for side missions. You have to do two. And some of the side missions will have things like, oh, the main character, uh, Gabriel Diaz, he's not allowed to come on this mission. So you have to use somebody else for this mission. Or you can only bring two characters on this mission. And the other catch is that the conceit of this game is you and your team of commandos are kind of rolling around the landscape in this convoy. Uh, not that like the travel matters, but that's just the idea of that's how you're getting from mission to mission. And while you're doing these side missions, they're all happening simultaneously. And so somebody sent on the first side mission you do will not be available for the second side mission you do. And theoretically, this is how they start rotating the non-main characters into the game, right? And this is how they start encouraging you to play up with play around with squad composition. But the thing is, the game funnels you toward the three main characters so constantly that after a point, it starts to feel like unless you're really trying to push against the game, uh, like from, from this standpoint, chances are you're going to be running most missions with these character types, right? You're in, and maybe these specific heroes and the characters you recruit along the way won't really come along on too many missions and they won't keep pace on the experience uh, curve. The game's solution to this is to regularly allow you to replace those characters with mm-hmm. new characters you get who are blank slates, but they're like, you know, level four, level five. And they come with the experience points you need just to level them up to the point where they are appropriate for this part of the game. And that's going to prevent you from getting bottlenecked, which is smart. But it also kind of means that. I forge no relationship with any of my characters. Mm-hmm. Not really, right? They're, they're just kind of bags of abilities uh, that you can sort of mix and match. And I like the way the mixing and matching of abilities. And I think this is the frustrating thing is Gears Tactics has a lot of really cool possibilities for the various synergies you can uncover with different... Because every character class has basically four different subclasses that characters can spec out into and they can sort of mix and match within that. And if you sort of think about how all those possibilities fit together, there's a lot of different ways that your squad can play. There's a lot of different tactics you can hit on that haven't necessarily occurred to you, right? It's not like the game is steering you towards them. It's just like, Oh, this is now a possibility that exists because I sort of split class this character and I really min max this other one. And so now I have uh, some cool some cool strategies available to me. Um, but the effect of that is somewhat diminished for me just because if the characters feel like sort of these interchangeable blanks, it kind of feels like the pro- the progression of these characters doesn't matter at all, right? Like they that like that's yeah. not what this game is about, but the game kind of foregrounds it. And then it also keeps giving you all these fucking items to, and, and it's important. Like itemization in this game is important. You can give your characters some really critical buffs via itemization uh, that will allow them to really push some strategies 
all the way to the stops, basically, right? Like, there's, like, I want to say one of my uh, characters had a uh, magazine that carried, like, three extra rounds. That guy Ooh. never needs to reload, basically. That's, yeah. Yeah, that guy is just, like, taking shots nonstop. Uh, but that that changes how the character is going to be. But there's only one of those items. And so you're constantly in this game kind of, on the one hand, the game's kind of encouraging you, hey, you know that, like, heavy you used for a couple missions he's kind of behind the level curve now because there's not really enough spaces for him to do stuff right why don't you just discard him and take this new heavy who has <laughs> eight skill points and just spec him out however you want mm. odds are very good and i've certainly sort of felt pushed to do this is like well i, I kind of need that heavy though that i was building i know how to right. use him <laughs> so what i'll do is i'll take this new heavy and I'll just build him the exact same exact way. Exact same. Right. Fuck. Yeah. And I'll put the same <laughs> items on him. And that'll be cool. Um, Hello, new the, Dave. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it, and, and that also, like, there's a lot of character customization options uh, that it's certainly not XCOM. Like, everyone is going to come out of this looking like some variation of a Gears of War, uh, you know, character. But, <laughs> you know, like, right. uh, there's not a version of this where, like, somebody suddenly gets a long neck. Uh, that's just that's just not this game. Long neck Dave. This game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got. Oh, it's, it's Dave with the long neck. Oh, uh, but the the other issue is, and this is where it does remind me of kind of a first in a tactics series type of game. There's some things that are just way too fucking powerful, and they kind of break the game a little bit or make it much less incentivized to experiment. And the big one that I cite in my review is like the sniper. Mm. It's these things fucking like they're hard to do. Like. Snipers, I mean, that was also true for XCOM, XCOM yes. enemy unknown that the, once you had a sniper with the, who's kitted out, right. with stat with the right abilities, they would just lean back and wreck every map. Yeah. <laughs> just put them on a, you know, second story with a decent yep. sight line yep. and their high crit chance that repeats here. And then they just like give it steroids. Uh, one of the main characters, uh, Michaela is the sniper in the plot. She's a civilian. She's leading like the civilian resistance who've been totally abandoned by cog. And they have just been sort of out there fighting off the locust uh, by themselves. And she's just this like terrifyingly, badass sniper who hates cog hates hates the military um and that's she's sort of the cynical resistance leader that your team of commandos has to co-opt along the way uh in sort of the commando movie version of the story but here's here's what she can do uh the way i specced her out there are a ton of abilities where she can get every character starts with three actions she can give herself more actions by doing things like fucking dudes up with sniper rifles. Oh my god. So she has this ability. Take a shot. If it hits, she gets two more actions. Yeah, I got that ability when I take shots too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so she like so she can do that. And then she's got another ability that starts out being take a shot. If it if it downs somebody, uh, the character gets a free reload. Her critical chance, because she's a sniper and because she is, I kitted her out with all the items that raised her critical chance. Like, if she hits somebody, it's uh, like 
a 50-50 chance whether or not they're getting critted. And at that point, there's very few characters who are not going to be brought down by her shots. Right. So uh, if she if she hits those and downs a character, she gets a free reload. And, oh, by the way, after she re- reloads on an empty magazine, it's Gears of War, so you get the active reload buff. And uh, <laughs> so now her, her shots are doing even more damage. Which means it's uh, easier to chain these things. Yeah, yeah, dude. So it just becomes like this. This one character can kill like seven or eight enemies in a single round. It is like there was a big dramatic showdown uh, at this old like bioweapons research lab somewhere, Mm -hmm. and the game's like, ah, we're you know we're bringing it. Like here's you're getting completely overwhelmed, (laughs) and I got her in a second story Overwatch flank position. And like it was, it was a hard turn. Like I was, I was in a difficult situation until I thought about it for like a minute or two, and I saw like how I could feed some extra actions to her because Gabe has the ability to just gift people extra actions yes. and extra damage uh, mm-hmm. as he develops that ability. And once that feedback loop got rolling in the space of a turn, like those two characters destroyed the entire locust army barely needed anybody else. And that's, that has happened more than once in this game. And the first it's okay to have those experiences as a treat, right? Like the the perfect turn where you just completely (laughs) ruin every, everyone. That's awesome. That is fun. But when you discover like, Oh, I can just break the game wide open on command in this exact way. Uh, why would I ever not do this? Why would I ever not bring a sniper who can do that and instead bring a shitty scout who has a shotgun that is just like a shotgun in a multiplayer shooter? So it's a, basically a blunderbuss that <laughs> doesn't do shit unless you're like adjacent. Next to the person, yeah. 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 And so like I never found a use case for scouts. Like they, yeah, they, there, were, there were situations where I could make them useful. Uh, but it required like table setting for the scout right. in a way that no other character class required. I was like, okay, scout, here's your moment. No, fuck that. Like, <laughs> you know, every moment was Michaela's moment. Right. Well, shout outs to Michaela. I like this is this is such a, a tactics game thing. You're totally right. That's how Alicia is in the first Valkyria Chronicles. Um, that's I honestly like I feel like Blue Blood is that in in this new uh, XCOM game. There was like a, a, I didn't mention this before. Blue Blood gets an ability in this game called Face Off, which is a great name for a pistolero. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and it's it's um, you have to remember Blue Blue a flock Blood of doves fly a fro- flock <laughs> flies around. He shoots he shoots until he's out of ammo, and he shoots every enemy in the room until he's out of ammo that he can see. Um, and by like mid game, he was already my best person uh, because what he could do in a sequence like this is look around a room. Okay, so first turn, you breach in. Um, uh, you've already done some damage to someone because of your breach attack. Maybe you've already killed someone. Uh, uh, you can take a shot with his like uh, do do more damage but be a little less accurate thing and if that's your first shot in the in a round for him it doesn't end the turn then he has lightning hands then he has face off and so it's like I've shot and his, his gun had five bullets in it so I can shoot seven times in this round if I want to and that's or if I happen to line up the the whatever Lance thing, I can also just shoot seven people if I have it lined up right uh, in a single shot instead. And it's like when it wor- when it works, it feels really good. But when it works too often, you feel like you've stopped playing the game and you're you're 
basically just you know twiddling your thumbs and and letting the game play itself a little bit um and i i it's it's better than the opposite problem i guess which is like getting rolled and not feeling like you have any solution but when it takes other characters off the map or when it's like i would never not run with this crew you, you yeah. it sounds like you would never not bring michaela that i feel like there's a limit to to what they've built like there should be some drawback for bringing a sniper to every mission <laughs> Not every yeah. mission should like, be a sniper X- mission. XCOM at least was like, hey, like the type of sniper that's really deadly this way, they have to be at least set up for a turn right. so that they can start right. taking those shots. And that rapidly became ineffective at keeping that class under control, but still, like, it was a stab at it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's tricky, but I, I think this is a problem you encounter a lot when... I, I think there's a tendency across a lot of game design to make things like give the player more tools, give the player a feeling of, of greater power and capacity yeah. uh, and then try to balance by just scaling up the difficulty around that rather than by imposing negatives, uh, which can feel bad. Totally. But I think coming from the standpoint of like, I play war games a lot, right? Like war games are all about downside. You know, like snipers, snipers in a game of like a war game about like infantry combat are your quintessential like glass, glass cannon weapon, right? Like maybe they will get a shot off and like kill a lieutenant or something right. and wipe out the command buff for an entire uh, enemy unit they're up against. But they're not going to be able to take out an entire squad because once the sniper takes that shot, everyone's like, oh shit, sniper, and just starts pasting that position. They take cover and right. like, they don't do shit. Uh, like, like war games operate under this, you know, in this sort of combat environment where everything generally uh, becomes super vulnerable once it is revealed itself. You know, mm-hmm. one, once it is a known quantity and the element of surprise is lost, then you're kind of up against some clear upsides and downsides, uh, what you're dealing with. Tactics games in this mold, I think, tend to push everything to the what if this archetype but the superhero version of it right like sniper but it has to be like the dude in saving private ryan who never misses right and that on that, that that gets you to a weird place uh as especially if your character starts in that position of like level one they're already the they're already the dude in saving private ryan who never misses right. like level eight they are basically like long gun jesus <laughs> Jesus is just a monster <laughs> with a yeah. long arm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's tough. I, I, I mean, I, my guess is you're going to finish this thing out at this point because you've already put so much time into it. So yeah. maybe, maybe they'll. I hope that you get at least submissions that that counteract that particular play style. Um, I always like that moment of a tactics game where like my solution has been called into question uh, <laughs> because they've introduced some sort of new enemy type or because. You know, whatever. There, there's some sort of shift. When that stuff happens, it feels really good. Um, I will shout out. Uh, I, you know, I, I've mentioned before that I started playing this game called Horizons Gate. Um, this kind of open world RPG with like a tactics combat system. Uh, it's all designed by a single person. I love it. I've like continued to play it as like my chill out game. I do kind of like pilot my my ship around the sea and try to get up to some hijinks once or twice before bed every day and uh i had an incredible set of encounters in that game's tactical combat system i mean it it, it already was just like 
So, so this is a game where you have a, you start off with like a shitty ship. You can upgrade to another ship. You can eventually build fleets of ships. It's fantasy pirate, you know, kingdom stuff. Uh, and uh, I had a mission from someone to go find a particular place on the world map. And all I had was kind of a snapshot of what the geography of the region looked like, not like a waypoint on the map. And I haven't explored most of the map yet. So I couldn't know if the thing that they showed me was a place that I'd been to already or a place somewhere else. And so I started just exploring this massive world map with my ship, you know, piloting around um, and getting into, you know, stopping at ports to make sure my crew was fed and, and, you know, fighting, finding like little hives of monsters to fight here and there, stuff like that. Um, and, Eventually, uh, I found this island. And sometimes you find an island uh, and you, or a, you know, a landing spot, and it's like you know three pirates on the on the coast who want to fight you. Sometimes you find uh, a wandering trader who has like a cool steam, like a cool steamship in the middle of the sea, and you fight his turrets, and then you go inside, and it turns out he's like, "Oh fuck, I didn't mean to leave those on." Anyway, do you want my cool? Do you want me to teach you how to build cool turrets? I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." Um, but this time, I found a beach, and on that beach was nothing uh, except a, a kind of a, a stone fortress um, that had been built into the side of a cliff face. And again, this is all like Super Nintendo. Like This is like, imagine I'm saying all this yeah. and you're imagining Stardew Valley, right? Like that is literally <laughs> what it looks like. Um, but at the at, at the front of this, this fortress carved into the stone wall or carved into the stone cliff face was this weird pulsating red rock. Um, and I'm like, all right, what the fuck is this? Uh, and I walk up to it. And um, it's yeah, like, I well, that could be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So let me try to hit it and see what happens. And so I hit it because uh, what I just, you know, I saved the game. I'm like, let me hit it. Let me see if I can break this. So, like, it's clearly blocking the path of, of entrance for me here. Um, and I hit it with my sword. This is one damage. And then it does this like, poof, and it pushes everybody back and it puts them all to sleep. And I have to wait for the party to wake up. And then it self heals. It heals that one damage. And I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? And so I eventually realized, one, it's weak to fire. Two, I have one round to destroy it, and if I do, it opens up, and if I don't, it will push me back and not and put me, and put me to sleep and heal itself, um, which is already like a really fun tactics mini game. It's like okay, I know it's weak to fire. I have two mages and then uh, like a scout in my party who can literally just like flint and steal some fire next one tile away from him. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like I managed to get like almost there, and it puts me to sleep. And I realized the third time, okay. I have an ability from one of my warrior type dudes who can um, basically intimidate someone and push them back in the turn order just a little bit. And it was just enough time for me to get one more fire attack in and open the, the door to this place. So you go in and it's like, boom, awesome. It felt great. Like, oh, wow, I solved this tactics puzzle mm. in this like that. It, it's like, it felt like solving one of those fable puzzle doors. You know what I'm talking about from like the talking doors from fable, except way better because it meant actually using my abilities and not just like dragging a sheep there from across the map you said or whatever. Fabled puzzle doors. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, yes, I know just, I just, just what you mean. <laughs> Ah, uh, the fabled puzzle doors of yore. The longest day of the year, <laughs> waiting for the bird. Ah, <laughs> uh, the fabled puzzle doors of of. Uh, I, I've never seen one, but my family says they're amazing. <laughs> Different times. Um. Anyway, so I go into this when we fortress. Can go outside. <laughs> well, we can still go outside. We can and open the fabled puzzle door. Um. The I go inside and it is this decrepit old fortress. Um. That has been overrun with these things called 
Heatles, H-E-A-T-L-E-S, like a beetle, but but with heat. But with heat. Um, and so, and so, I let me tell people. you what these fucking things do. Uh, what they do is spit fire at you um, <laughs> a lot. Uh, but more importantly, if you hit them with fire, they start blinking. Because it's a video game, and when something blinks like that, you know they're about to explode and do an AOE attack all around them, destroying your your precious melee fighters, or destroying any enemy adjacent uh, any enemy units adjacent to them. And I had this just like it's just you know it's a fight from from one room to the next, very very XCOM Chimera Chimera uh, Squadron esque in that you know you don't really have to worry about you kind of heal up in between fights, you have the opportunity to heal yourself up between these fights, uh, and you're exploring. There's like puzzles and blah blah blah. But eventually, I fought through a bunch of them and I got to King Heedle, uh, a massive Heedle that has seen kingdoms rise and fall, aggressive and foul tempered. It spouts flame at anything that so much as irritates it. Many have tried to slay it, but they were burnt to cinders before they could take a second swing. Great care must be taken not to ignite it. If it explodes, nothing in the same room will survive. Um, and it's that plus like five of it, the little Heedles around it. And that fight was like some of the most rewarding tactics combat I've had in a game in years because it meant balancing all of my character, like turn order stuff really well. It meant intentionally blowing up some of the smaller heatles <clears throat> while intentionally like trying to literally use ice magic to cool off other ones. It meant using like pushes and pulls to try to move them such that they would chain react when I wanted them to or not chain react when I didn't want them to. It meant um, develop, make, realizing I had this ability, I had a, a skill point basically on this one character and then I could use it to put into an ability that would let him self-heal when he did damage, which would be enough to where he could get a kill on a little one and survive the implode, the the, uh, uh, the following kind of explosion that, that happened. Um, and that stuff was just like, it scratched every tactics itch I've had <laughs> because of <laughs> how many great little interlocking systems there are and great ways in which the, the, the stuff that's like the character... All of the – there are a thousand classes in this game. There's like, whatever, 30 classes in this game. And it's easy for that to just be nothing. It's easy in a game that has that much differentiation to where it doesn't mean anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, there isn't actually – what's the difference between one melee fighter and another one? Well, the answer is this one is all about cr uh, crowd control, even though it's a melee unit. This one is all about uh, moving uh, uh, units around. This one is all about just just tanking. And when you, when you have all those things in interesting combinations – you end up having really – and you have really cleverly designed tactical encounters where I'm trying to balance bugs that blow up. You end up having these really big brain tactics moments where you're just like, yes, yes, I'm a genius. Yes, I've died to the same fight for an hour, but now I am a genius because I figured out that if, that if I use this special four-way ice magic, I can cool them off just before they blow up, and then I can do a final hit on them that doesn't blow them up, and I'll knock it back into the other one, and then da 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 and that just uh, – I loved it so much. So shout-outs again to Horizons Gate. Uh, a game that that I hope continues to grow uh, an audience because every every hour I spend with it is like just an incredible time, um, and and I hope that it finds I hope that it really finds a good a big audience. Um, anyone else have stuff they want to shout out? I have two more things, so I'm trying to pass the mic around here, but I don't know if anyone else has gone as deep as me this week on shit. I don't know what happened. I was like, no. I'm gonna play video games this week. I made a gunpla instead. Oh hell yeah! What'd you make? I finished my, or almost finished my uh, real grade uh, 
You don't oh, have to talk in whispers here. You can be proud about your fucking. I hear you. I hear you feeling embarrassed that you now, I was, a I was, model. I was, I was turning and looking. For oh, the okay. I, I was embarrassed okay. that I couldn't remember which what the model of the RX seventy. It's yeah, it's it's Amaro's Gundam. Yes. Okay. The Gundam. The motherfucking Gundam. Yeah. Yeah. The motherfucking Gundam with a million greebles on it. Yes. Love it. So I spent two hours. Three two hours three hours two hours placing, uh. So there's a hundred and fifty individual stickers that have to go on this thing, and I think I got through the first eighty. They're That's tiny. a lot of stickers. This, this thing is a one forty four scale too, so like it's like yeah, what, they're small. Maybe the real grades six are six inches tall. So imagine how small these things are. I've never built a real grade. I've done perfect grades, um, but I've never done a real grade, and I don't know that I, I don't know that I can. I don't know. It's, I feel like the, it's, the actual they're build so wasn't small. too bad. Or sorry, uh, I've done perfect grades. I've done what's the okay? It's high grade. I've done uh, master grades. I've done master yeah, grades. Yeah. I've never done. I've never done a perfect. Perfect grades are gigantic. Perfect grades are like one sixtieth, and right. they're also a they're fortune. Huge. I've never done a PG, but I've done a. I've done a master grade before. But I don't yeah. know that I could do. I don't know that I could do one 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 forty fourth scale. Uh, with that degree of uh, also complex. Yeah. Yeah, my hands are too the, shaky. On the on the build because this this one keeps falling apart the pieces and I've looked it up and it's like yeah that one wasn't great which is mm, fine um, yeah. it's like oh, very it much like you can't touch it too much or else it'll start falling apart um, but um, it looks cool because it's got lots of greebles hell yeah love <laughs> I love some greebles two yeah. Gundam things to shout out really quick one is I did spend some time with the Gundam Extreme versus Maxi Boost on uh, oh, shit. Uh, That's right. beta stuff that was this past weekend. Um, and uh, that game is good. I like that game. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. that game is good for the, whatever, seven matches I played or whatever. Um, right. I've been a fan of of the Gundam versus games since there were Gundam versus games well before it is the thing it is now and when it was a much more like slow-paced thing. Uh, but the <laughs> contemporary Extreme versus games are really, really fun like arena they're an arena fighter but not in the sense that you might they're not like i don't know it's hard to explain what they are they're like even faster paced virtual on uh with jumping and flying um and a billion characters because basically there's like a hundred different mobile suits in that game um and it's (laughs) it's it's like very much like find your character and learn how their abilities work and interact with with people and it's a 2v2 kind of open arena fighting game thing. Right. Um, I love it. It's really good. I'm really excited for that to get a full release. The network code, the net code seemed good to me. Like I didn't have any issues, which was not the case when I played past uh, Gundam versus <laughs> games, but mostly because most of the players on most past Gundam versus games are overseas. Cause I'm the weirdo who's, who's, imported it so i'm like of course my ping is shit you know um uh so it's just exciting to know that there will be some sort of gundam versus community here in the states that's like bigger uh or north america in general and the west in general um uh the other Gundam thing really quick is i just want to shout out that i was just on the great gundam project uh which is run by the podcast by friends of the site m and uh jackson as part of the abnormal mapping network and i just did the first two episodes of gundam wing uh, which is the Gundam that I think brought many, many people uh, who listen to the show who yeah. like Gundam into Gundam because it was North America's first Gundam. Uh, and it's that fun to go back shit. and 
it's that tsunami shit. It's fun. It was fun <laughs> to go back and watch those episodes and to talk about it. You can find those at Abnormal Mappings Patreon, I believe. The first episode is free, and then and then in general, Gundam, Great Gundam Project is like a one buck a month and extremely worth that one dollar. People should mm. go support it. Um, uh, something else I played that I will that I will give. I, I'm Streets of Rage Four came out, hmm. and. Speaking of things that mattered a lot to me as a kid, <laughs> speaking of things that mattered a lot to me in the age of Toonami, really predating Toonami, Streets of Rage 2 is in my top five games of all time, probably. Um, you know, the top five thing has been going around lately. No. Top five games of all time for me, I feel like, is incomplete without Streets of Rage 2. Uh, a Sega Genesis beat-em-up that has impeccable style, mm. a soundtrack that draws on the sort of music that I'd never heard before, and honestly, since in video games, which is to say, drawing on house music, drawing on dance music of the of the eighties and nineties, um, the the soundtrack, the original soundtrack for Streets of Rage two is an all time like hit hit fest. Uh, it's primarily composed by Yuzo Koshiro and Motohiro uh, Kawashima. The two of them have just just do incredible work all the way through it. Um, the reason I, I hit this so hard is because there's things I really love about Streets of Rage 4. One of them that I one thing I don't love is the soundtrack. And it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like if if we were in the if we were in the world of doing um uh game scores, this would be one where I'd be like, can we please weight it such that the soundtrack matters more than everything else? <laughs> because that is so core to the identity of this game for me. Um I guess I'll start with like the stuff that I really like about Streets of Rage 4. I think as producing a beat-em-up, a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up mm. in 2020 is an incredibly risky thing that requires a lot of thought about how to do it well. Um, because the arcade-style beat-em-up of the, of the 90s is just does not have legs today. No. I think they've done a lot of good work making this a really fun beat 'em up with some really clever structural designs uh, and a really fluid, fun to play combat system um, that is an improvement on past Streets of Rage games and and honestly might be one of the best straight up beat 'em ups that I've played ever uh, in this kind of two D side scrolling formula format. Um, it feels so good to beat the shit out of people in this game. There's a lot of there's a lot of like juggling. There's a lot of um, smart stuff around the ways in which uh, you're you use your extra abilities. There's like a there's like super super moves that have always been in the series, but now when you use the super move when you hit like your super move button, it takes it always took some health from you, but now it takes that health from you and then bloodborns it, where you can earn that health back by getting hits in on the enemies on an enemy, and so you are kind of you know rewarded for using a super move and then getting aggressive after it um and so that's all that's already one really <clears throat> smart move the other thing is it's not a game about like getting two you have two lives and you have to get through the entire game on those two lives and any extra lives that you that you get along the way which is kind of the original beat em up model here you kind of have two lives to get through what can be a really hard level um, the level, the levels in this and the bosses in this are really do push you to really understand how your character works and to read their, their, uh, rhythms and, and what their attacks are going to be and anticipate what they're going to do. Um, and it can be, I, there are definitely levels that like took me two or three tries to get through. Uh, and that is with one character, you know, there's like six characters that you can unlock all set or, or maybe it's even more than that. Um, and that is great. Uh, that's such a smart version of the beat em up because it means that every level feels uh, discreet and every and every level feels like it's able to bring its own challenge. 
but I, I, what I don't think it has is the sense of, of style or like, um, there are lots of times when it feels like it wants to play music from Hotline Miami, and that's mm-hmm. not the vibe. Um, I, like I, I, I can't turn this into a giant bomb game of the year thing where I'm just linking you, linking you songs. I can't do that. <laughs> um, but please know that like. I, I, it's so tough because it's like, I don't ever want to tell someone who is composing like, oh, you have to just ape this one particular style. Um, but the thing, one of the things that made Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage was that it was pulling from, from a sort of moment in American, often black queer dance music uh, that made it stand out and then pulled it mixed in a whole bunch of shit from, and I want to be clear, there's other sounds in there for sure, especially in Streets of Rage 2, where, where, and then especially Streets of Rage, in Streets of Rage 3, the composers go all over the, all over the place, but that core is still there. Um, and on top of that, there is a certain sense of like 80s straight to VHS shitty like action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Neither of those vibes quite it, – it's not grimy enough because it's trying to be 2013 Kavinsky grimy. It's not trying to be like 1989 house music, drum and bass music grimy. Um, there are some tracks in here that I really like. Uh, there are some there are some levels that I think have really great vibes. Um, but but it, it often felt like I was just watching – like a different or playing rather a different um a, a, a different beat em up that wanted to have like an homage level to Streets of Rage instead of really doing committing to the bit, if that makes sense. Um I don't know. I, I'm I'm my suspicion is this game is going to be very well received mm-hmm. because it's very well made. Right. Uh it's just one of those things where it's like I'm too close to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I I I don't know. It's tough. There's a cool boss fight against Shiva, who is like my all-time favorite boss in a video game, and and that's cool, I guess. Um, I'd love to. I'm gonna hope to play some of it co-op and see if that changes some of my opinion on it. Mm. But but yeah, it's just like it doesn't it doesn't quite hit right for me. And a large part of that is the music being kind of more. It's not generic. It is. It's just pulling from. It's pulling from EDM. It's it's pulling from you know. Other types of like I don't know I think there's a way to do this with with new music but for me I would have loved for it to pull from something that doesn't just fall into kind of retro synthwave stuff, mm-hmm. um, uh, but that's not I don't know I don't know I don't know it's tough. It's um, um, it's moments like this where I'm like surprised when I hear about people playing video games to like other soundtracks or podcasts. Yeah. Cause so often I feel like the, um, the, the choices that are being made in, in soundtrack do matter to like, you know, the emotional content that's happening in the game. Usually like, totally. So, um, I, 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 uh, I feel for you with the, it's <laughs> the tough. Fact that well, it, like, and it, it's, like, it's, it's a, it's it a, doesn't quite gel 
the way it's a composer who I love. It's actually a composer. It's a game composer whose work I really love. It's Olivier uh, Derivier, I believe is, is how you pronounce his last name. He um, he composed the Remember Me soundtrack, which is like an all time oh, fave yeah. that I love. He did. Uh, he's done a bunch of other stuff for. He did the vam- the vampire uh, soundtrack, Rob, that I know you Vampire. love. There should have been more Vampire. of it, but what was there <laughs> was, was great. There, the Plague Tale Innocence uh, soundtrack, the Greedfall in, uh, soundtrack, really, really turning in some focus homework is what I'm looking at here. Um, but I think it's like has genuinely done really good stuff over the last you know ten years of of, of playing stuff that that's had his music in it, um, uh, and I and I I think that some of the stuff is fine. It's just not fine for the vibe that the game is pulling from, you know? Um, like, the original Streets of Rage was neon-soaked, but it was not neon-soaked with, with like, heavy Eurosynth. It was neon-soaked mm-hmm. with with the sounds of, like, Chicago. Um, and that is... The streets. With the, with the, with the streets. <laughs> with right. the streets. And let me tell you, there's a song <laughs> in this game, in the soundtrack, called The Streets. It don't sound like The Streets to me. Damn. <laughs> it don't. It's a bummer. That's yeah. It's a bummer. There are some bops. There are some bops. I think specifically <laughs> there's a there's a level that takes place in um a uh um like a gallery, like a, an art gallery, and that oh. song slaps. Um and and there are moments when it's oh. like trying to evoke some previous like uh, uh Streets of Rage stuff. I mean, I want to mm. be clear, this is not just uh Olivier uh, Derivier doing the soundtrack. It is it's like Yuzo Koshiro is on this, and I don't necessarily love the stuff that Koshiro's done for some of this, but it's definitely more in that model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Motohiro Kawashima song on this this track or on the soundtrack, including one for um, a boss fight that is like that takes place at a concert, and I don't even think that track is that good. Um, <laughs> and I that's tough. It's tough to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. And like maybe I would have never been happy. That's totally, totally possible. Right. Um, but but oh well. You have a certain expectation because something is so long running in a specific way. Yes. Or yeah, no, this is like the some people a play time in your in your yes. life, right? Some people replay um uh, Link Awa- Link's Awakening uh once once a year. Not like a link between a link between um I keep wanting to say Links world, a link to the past, a link yeah. to the past. Uh, <laughs> once a year, I play Streets of Rage 2 once a year minimum. Yeah. It is like very much my like go there and stop caring about shit thing, you know, like let, let it wash over me and, and consume me. And I know that makes me a very special, uh, a special case, an edge case. And also I think, again, they've made a very good beat em up. I think mm. the characters all control really interestingly. I, I really like it, um, that part of it a lot. So shout out to that. The last thing I want to shout out, I'm in the middle of it, so I'll probably wrap back around um, next week. But The Flower Collectors um, Mm -hmm. is a game that's taken me by surprise. Uh, It's by a group called Mipumi Games. I think is, I want to say Austrian. Um, uh, And it is, it is like the pitch that I basically got for it was it's Rear Window, the game. Um, You are playing uh, an ex-cop who is in a wheelchair uh, you're confined to your apartment, not because you're in a wheelchair, but because you're the sort of person who. So let me let me just give you the actual straight pitch here, which is like what it is and why it surprised me, and then and then why I think it's probably 
better than just a rear window game. Um, and, uh, you know what? That's unfair because rear window is great. Um, yeah, I don't wanna, what no, could no, no. be better than a rear window game? <laughs> well, Rob, what if it was or what if rear window was set in Barcelona in 1977 just yeah. after Franco fell? And you were playing uh, a member of the of the Polithea who had quit or who had not quit, who had who had, I guess quit after having an accident that uh, put him in a wheelchair and caused this like whatever his I don't know. Listen, he was a shitty fascist cop, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and is very much this like hyper masculine asshole uh, who thinks of himself as his body and his strength and and is an asshole. Um, and now from his balcony has seen the killing of someone who seems to be caught up in a dissident group, a leftist group in 1970s Barcelona, and is now working with a young anarchist journalist to try to uncover the truth of this of the story. Also, they're all furries. I left out this part. They're all furries. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, hang on. Actually, I need to back up one thing. Yes. <laughs> what? Are they all furries? Like, oh yeah, it's Barcelona 1977, and we're all furries. Like we mean the word, or is it? No, no, animal no. World they're, they're anth- they're, it's animal world. They're not all furries. Okay. They're okay. all they're all anthropomorphized animals. Uh, there's okay. a, one's in the first. Okay. There's a moment here where I'm like, the game opens with a text crawl or like a like text on screen that's like 1977 Barcelona. Franco's just fallen. You know, there there is the first in, there's the first breath of freedom in Spain in X years, uh, and then like you know 12, 12 minutes or twelve seconds later, I'm looking at a photo of my my own character and his partner, the fascist cops who. <laughs> who are dog people in the bedroom. I'm like, what is happening? What where am I? What okay. is So it's a so it's a gritty period crime story. It's a noir, it's a crime meets noir. Zootopia. Meets Zootopia. Wait, wait a second, this isn't that just Zootopia? I haven't yeah. seen Zootopia. Um here's what I'll say it hasn't done any of that I do know Zootopia does, but I haven't seen it, so this is not my critique of Zootopia, but it does not do there are predators and there are prey. Animals are <laughs> Well, yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't do that part of it. Um, which is not just a Zootopia problem. That's a common that's a common thing inside of anthropomorphized animal shit. Um uh but what it does do is give you a camera and binoculars and a balcony to like investigate stuff from, uh take photos. Um the there is no Again, this is not a systems-driven game. This is a this is a first-person story game, um, but it's really fucking good so far. Um, having this dude get chewed out by this cool young anarchist journalist is sick. She slaps. Uh, piecing together the ways in which this is tied to some sort of political conspiracy is exactly my shit. Um, having this dude have to confront his own history uh as being a police officer in a fascist regime is really really interesting um uh it was written um uh, you know it, it absolutely brought on the help of disability consultants and wheelchair consultants specifically uh for this character i don't know that it's hitting that out of the park but I, it does feel like they've done the work and that it is a it is not framing so forget one of the things i said before was it's the reason that he's he's stuck upstairs in his in his apartment is not because he's in a wheelchair it's because he specifically refuses to go into public it's because he refuses to like use the elevator that is in his building because he is caught up on his own issues of identity and manhood and what it means to be a good man in society because he has grown up in 
a truly regressive, backwards, terrible society. But also, but also, of course, he's the sort of dude who is who is. Um, they're very much doing the thing that happens in this style of gruff neo noir, uh, where it's like, in his heart of hearts, he knows that the world should be better. But he's he's doing the paternalistic thing of being like, you know, you kids don't know that the world isn't ready for you to to be out there like this. This is how you're going right. to get hurt, um, which is a tired mode in some ways. Uh, but the game knows it's tired. The game is not on his side when he says that shit. Uh, mm. And it's it's still an endearing mode because so much noir fiction plays with that with that trope a lot, you know. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really, really, really liking it. Uh, like I would, you had me at rear window game and then to put on top <laughs> of it, like explicitly leftist politics, uh, cool animal people. And uh, <laughs> honestly, a really great look. Like, um, I don't know if y'all have looked at the, the, the trailer for this yet, but it has such a sharp, like, um, use of color, uh, we, we talked about cloud punk having a sense of like the city before this is just one street corner, but it's an incredible street corner. There's like a cabaret off, off to one side, a cafe on the other, uh, a, a church down the street. You kind of get that feeling, the rear window thing of getting to know who, okay, this is the, this is the, the way the priest is. This is like the lady across the way who has a crush on me. Here is like the, the woman who runs the cabaret and who wants to take care of her people, but is also, you know, knows that she has to deal with the police sometimes. And like that is that sort of like single corner world building is so so good. Um, it's called the Flower Collectors, and I think it's on Steam for twenty bucks. Um, definitely worth definitely worth looking at. Again, I haven't finished it yet. I'm into like the third chapter or something like that, uh, and I, that is like on my docket to finish this weekend. I'm so excited to, to get to the rest of it. Um, so yeah, that's the Flower Collectors. Um, I think that's probably it. We can wrap back around on some Valorant stuff on Monday, probably, because uh, yeah. I know Kata, you've been playing, I've been playing, but but we've already gone pretty deep on stuff this week. A lot of games out of nowhere. I had a lot to talk about, so thank you for <laughs> for humoring me as I as I go down my Steam list. Um, <laughs> God, this isn't. I'm not even talking about that. I'm continuing to play some Final Fantasy stuff, and we'll get around to that too eventually. I'm sure. Um, yeah. What else is that? It is that it? Y'all done? Y'all feel like we've done a podcast? Y'all yeah. feel like we've made it out of a week? That's a pod. That's a that's a pod. Sometimes pod. you finish a podcast and you go, that's a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I hope everyone has a good weekend. I hope everyone stays safe as always. Um, as always, you can write in questions. We didn't get to them today, but maybe next week we'll get to some. Gamingatvice.com is the address for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Kato? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And Rob. At Rob Zachney. As always, you can find everything we do at waypoint.vice.com, twitter.com slash waypoint. Shoutouts to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. And also at waypoint.zone, you can find a Gears Tactics review from Rob. You can find an XCOM Chimera Squad review from Rob. You can find a Fallout 76 <laughs> review from Matt Galt that is that has a hell of a headline. Uh-huh. This is a fucking swing of a headline. This is... Wastelanders makes Fallout 76 the best Fallout Bethesda has made, which you got to go read that review. That's the sort of headline you go, I got to read this. I got to see what. Uh, And it it starts by saying the Wastelanders update, the the deck is the Wastelanders update elevates the gorgeous and moody RPG from complete trash to something (laughs) worthy of the series origins. God really loves this thing, huh? 
Sometimes you just gotta let people go. <laughs> just gotta let the leash out. You gotta let him go. You gotta let him run. Run free, Matt Galt. Uh, this was one of the, like a week ago. He was like, "Dude, like this is seriously terrific." And I was like, "Get out of here, this slate pitch ass uh, take on this game." And like he came back and made the case. I think I like it's interesting. He comes to it from the place of not really liking a lot of what Bethesda's done with the series, which is right. definitely a perspective that's common to a certain type of Fallout fan. Uh, so it's interesting. I think a lot of people, a lot of people love Fallout 3 to death, um, in particular like that game. I thought you were saying in and, particular Patrick Klepik. I was like, he's not here, Rob. He can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I mean. It, yeah, I do. Like, I think there's, yeah. there's people who are like, oh, that, that game that was, was the best it's gotten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a type of Fallout fan that's like, actually, Bethesda's never really known what to do with this series. And they've never actually known what to do with a narrative RPG, period. Right. And I think that's kind of where Galt is coming to from this. What's interesting is that Wastelanders, in his view, is aware of that. Like, that the game feels like a sort of long overdue reconsideration of like, hey, how are we... How are we making these RPGs? Like, how has the RPG narrative side of Bethesda games been going lately? And the answer is not well. <laughs> and Wastelanders is trying to address that, which is interesting. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, given that there a, were no NPCs at all, or much of a like through line to that game to begin with, right? Mm-hmm, totally. Like, like, that's totally. the game that ends up doing that is uh, kind of. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I mean, the case he makes is is partly that it ends up being a really developed narrative of, like, labor struggle, um, which brings it from, like, the, the kind of background into the foreground, um, mm-hmm. and that, like, having people in the world lets you tell an actual, an actual right. story instead of it just <laughs> kind of being stuff that you have to try to reach and read. Um, so I... It made me curious. It made me want to maybe dip back. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, like, where I'm at, it's like, okay, I guess now I got to check this thing out. Right. Um, Which I did not, like, after two hours of Fallout 76 when it came out, I did not feel the the curiosity to continue going down that road. No, I played it at launch. Did not like it. And you know me, I like bad stuff sometimes. (laughs) Uh, All right. On that note, I uh, I hope that people have a good weekend. I hope that people come back next week to talk more about some video games with us. Uh, I did all the outro stuff already, so I can just say it. Fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
All right. I hope you're staying Perfect. safe and healthy. In support of Sonic the Hedgehog, home entertainment release available on digital now and arrives to 4K Blu-ray on May 19th. We want to see if you'd be interested Finally. in receiving a custom 16-bit digital portrait of yourself and sharing it on your social channels and or using it as your avatar for your social accounts. This Excuse is a custom me? piece, and all you need to do is provide us with a headshot photo. The, photos, the photo can be shared by letting followers know Sonic is available for digital purchase, asking fans to comment uh, on their favorite Sega game and using it as your avatar, etc. I mean, Austin. <laughs> no. If they're making you the offer. I do. Do you want me to forward this to you? Austin, Austin. no. Because I, I do not have it in me to be Rob the Hedgehog. That, that shit doesn't work. They're not going to make me a hedgehog. The hedgehog. They're not going to make me a hedgehog. They're just going to do a 16 bit. Oh, you'll just be like a fucking forest creature. Yeah. No, I will be a forest <laughs> creature. They're just going to make a 16 bit me. They're just going to digitize a photo well, I That's got on. nothing. No, because. Yes. No, the only person in that story is the fucking robotic dude. Oh, also that guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, yeah. In, so, in the movie? No. There's the many movie, there's people. lots there's of a, humans. A lot That's of the story of that so wait, movie. They want you to promote this shit by just like they're basically gonna take a picture of you and run it through a fucking filter. That well, I'm sure they're gonna hand it to a 16-bit digital artist yeah. who is going to work. Those filters in, don't really work that well. You gotta do that by they might, by but also who knows? There's a, maybe there's they a will. amount of cartooning that goes into this, like you know, it's a whole thing. I hate this. Anyway, that's <laughs> it. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> bye. I'm gonna go eat lunch. Austin the hedgehog though. Austin the Hedgehog exists. He has a Harry Potter uh, lightning scar. What? You, uh-huh. I know a lot about my hedgehog. Do you? Excuse me? Austin the Hedgehog is like, if you search for Austin the Hedgehog, I've seen this like so many times now because <laughs> I've been on the internet for so long that I know this hedgehog that I'm about to send you intimately. I know, I know, for instance, without having to look it up, that he has his grandfather's shoes, I want to say. His, sorry, his great-great-grandfather, F-A-U-T-H-E-R, <laughs> the legendary boots worn by his great-great-G-R-8-G-R-8-grandfather that was the most fast hedgehog in the whole world and faster than Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow. He has, a, he has on like a trench coat with a, with a patch of, I, I'm going to say that's supposed <laughs> to be oh the Union Lord. Jack. Yeah, this patch shows he, that he is, that he is he from the United <laughs> Kingdom and he is British. Jacket worn by his father and passed down to him when he was four years old. Birthmark, bar, birthmark represents he is the king of lightning. And he was born in the lightning village in Great yeah. Mobius. G-R-A-T-E Mobius. A lot of spikes for protection from flying enemies. That's Austin the Hedgehog. That's, that's why hedgehogs have those. That's why they got them. <laughs> from that's, flying enemies. That's canon. <laughs> so yes, oh, don't ask me about head, Austin the Hedgehog unless you're ready to come prepared for me to have answers. Oh, good. I know, I know Austin the Hedgehog. Ricardo the Hedgehog is a, is a shadow variant, looks like. Great. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> there's probably no act. There's no Cotto the Hedgehog, presumably. I, I doubt it. No, it's not, not it's yet. Not a real, it's not a real. Oh, uh, that Ricardo. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I that mean, Ricardo is just is just is just a shadow. That's just that's a shadow. That's a shadow. Well, the thing that's wild colors. to me is there are three of them here, and all three of them are Ricardo or are shadow variants. Yeah, a different shadow variants. Different shadow variants. That middle one's kind of cool. The middle one's cool. Yeah, the middle one looks like a Super Saiyan. F- for Vegeta. Yeah. So that's that's good. <laughs> Rob the Hedgehog. I don't know why we gotta rob these hedgehogs. I don't think, that, I don't think that's real. Rob the Hedgehog has a has a, oh, a bow the, and arrow. 
Wait, this is Rob. Oh, that's that's Rob official. Is canon. That's Rob official. is official. <laughs> super even official. Damn, oh even my, my superficial hedgehog is super official. King Robert O'Hedge, you're a king, a <laughs> captain okay, and a king. All hail Captain King Robert O'Hedge. That's you. Amazing. You're oh, the you're the cousin of Amy Rose and the leader of the Mercian Freedom Fighters. You reside in Deerwood Forest outside the Kingdom of Mercia, and you spend most of your, you spent most of your adolescence combating the rule of Ivo Robotnik's sub boss, the High Sheriff. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> you were. A oh, could this be an illusion? It could be. <laughs> it could be. King. Also, you're a king. How did you go from being an outlaw to a king? These are the stories you got to read. The Archie comics. Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic stories. The Hedgehog, to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is Damn. how they make the franchise. This Wait, is really uh, this is only pseudo canon because this character only exists within the pre Super Genesis wave continuity. Uh, well, that's still more canon than me. <laughs> I just I just exist in someone named Austin, a British kid's mind. It is believed that Rob does have a brother, but he has not been seen or mentioned. The only hint of his possible existence is when Scourge said that anti Rob was killed by his brother. That seems pretty straight. Like you got an anti-Rob. You got an like, anti-Rob. What's, what's yeah. Rob supposed to do with that? What the fuck is Rob supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do with oh, that? Oh, it's your brother, anti-Rob. Oh, by the way, only one of you can be king. Okay, well, let me just let me figure out what to do here. I play Crusader Kings. Listen, uh, anti-Rob, anti -Rob. Rob. Let's, go. let's go for a drive. <laughs> Oh, it's incredible. Okay. Hey, Anti Rob, I got a coat for you. Come on in here. No, come on, just a little further. A little further. Yeah. The thing that's amazing about it is that the because there's an anti Rob, because there's a, sorry, because there's a Rob the Hedgehog, Rob O Hedge, um, aka, sometimes people just write Rob O. Some people seem to have misunderstood that it's Rob of the Hedge, and they've just right. written Rob O as if Rob O is first name, middle initial, or middle name. Uh, love it. Um, anyway, there's a lot of Rob of the Hedge regular art, real art, fan art, real art, you know, canonical Archie Comics art, art. Uh, and also mixed in here are other Robs, though, and that is a lot. This one has lava veins. I don't like this one very much <laughs> at all. <laughs> this one is doing a flex. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> it has... Rob the Hedgehog is a fairly normal hedgehog with one minor exception. His blood is flammable. <laughs> he walks around with a high fever, which he takes very special medicine for and has to be constantly monitored. Oh, this is wild. So that if he hurts himself, is on standby with a bucket of water so that things don't go out of control. Rob is generally fairly polite and friendly and loves playing with toy trucks in his little area called Rob's Sick Bay. I can't. On rare occasions, Rob will hire a special <laughs> oh, premium. No. This is really, this is really sweet. Actually, this yeah. is an adorable, good hedgehog. Shout outs to Rob the Hedgehog and Rob Sickbay and Rob, who is. This is. I thought this was going to go like he has lava blood and that makes him immortal. But no, right. this is actually very clearly someone's OC about themselves or someone they care about who's sick and fucking rips. This rules. Yeah. Shout outs to Rob the Hedgehog. Shout outs to Rob the Hedgehog <laughs> everywhere. All right. And to all a good night. And all, so on that note, I'm going to go eat lunch. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd wait, wait, wait.
Here we go. We'll just post this one, also from the same artist, Mighty Ray on DeviantArt. Here is uh, Ray from uh, Chaotix, Sonic, Cha- Sonic and Knuckles present Chaotix, uh, talking to Marcus Phoenix. <laughs> Love it. Incredible. Hey, where's your neck, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it links out. It links out to this incredible post that includes the most like disbelieving, uh, whatever the name of this this character is. I always forget the name of this 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 Sonic cat, Ray, Ray Ray from Sonic the Hedgehog, Ray the Flying Squirrel, not from Chaotix, from the uh, Sonic Mania. That's where it's from. Yeah. Uh, just utter disbelief, skepticism, just nothing. <laughs> Shout outs to hashtag or to <laughs> at Mighty Raylin here uh, for for these incredible fan arts of Sonic characters talking to Gears of War characters. Love it. All right, well, now it's I'm, like Raylin, not yes, not, not, not like Raylin Gibbons, not Raylin Gibbons from just. <laughs> this is what one. he's doing in the scenes when like he's, when the camera's not on, no. right? Where it's like. Incredible. Ray- Raylan like engineers another officer involved shooting <laughs> and then goes out and like Nick Searcy's like, damn it, Raylan, you're out of control. He's like, I am. And then he goes home and he like creates his OCs and starts <sighs> uploading them. In- uh, unbelievable. Also, real quick, I just want to shout now that we've said this, we should um, I'm going to shout I'm going to go back in time and shout out. Colin Sp- Space Twinks, uh, the pious world of Christian Sonic the Hedgehog fan art that ran mm. in the New-, yeah. New York Magazine a few months ago. Um, uh, that was really fantastic. And uh, shout outs to Colin, who is uh, you know a f- friend of the show by by nature of just being a good person on Twitter, who I like to follow. Yeah. Uh, let's go read that piece. <laughs> that piece was great. All right, I'm gonna go eat lunch. Bye bye bye. Later. Is it gray and rainy up there too, Rob? Yeah, it's uh, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking out there, I'm like, I want to be out there in that. That's my shit. <laughs> a terrible person. This is just how I live. This is just it. Well, I was taking Mina for a walk too early today. Um, I was. It, it had a good feeling of like it's gonna rain all day, but it hasn't oh, yeah. started yet, so it was just like oh, a cool, yeah. like damp morning. Uh. You know, broad daylight, but all the street lamps are still lit. Yeah, it's uh-huh. too dark. Yep. And it was. I was like, hell yeah, bring it on. <laughs> I'm home. Um. Okay. Uh, we should time dot is. Love to time dot is. Love to go to a website. Got a great email here from someone. Someone presumably from some PR firm. How can atheists monetize their video content? What? And it starts <laughs> since you cover sports passionately. Mina. <laughs> I misread. It's athletes. It's athletes. athletes. It's, it's not oh, atheists. God. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Since you cover sports, you must be a heathen. <laughs> to be, okay, sorry. To be fair, she misspelled uh, athletes. Okay. It's athletes. It's athletes. And that just sent my brain into. Like a like a correction, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things. You're like, okay, well, you that's can not believe a word. it. There's women playing sports. <laughs> These athletes are wowing crowds across the nation uh-huh. as they yeah. play men's baseball, but with <laughs> ladies. God, I love Tom Hanks. I love uh, League of Our Own. Right? Dry those uh, tears, honey. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, now I can time by this.
International Jazz Day. Oh, hell yeah. Tough time to be an international jazzist. <laughs> Not a lot of international. International Jazz Day 2020 to take place virtually. Global concert hosted by Herbie Hancock to feature performances by artists across the globe. Is that like a sibling or uncle of Territory Jazz? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, international international jazz. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, international Jazz Junior. I don't right. approve of the fact that our government observed International Jazz Day by killing Ellis Marsalis. I, yeah, it's unbelievable. God. Uh, all right, 55? Yeah. I almost missed it. I gave us way more time than I normally do, and it gave me enough time for my mind to wander. <laughs> So there's a problem. Uh, we're 310, right? Yeah. Okay, cool.